1: Hello, and welcome back to Rule The Roost podcast. I'm bringing a studio show today. I've do you, Tom Foynes, do you find it like... Have you noticed me referring to these, the, the two-header ones, as a studio show? Is that as pretentious as I worry it is? Yes. It, just unequivocally, yes. What, what else yes. can I call it? What can I call it, you know?
0: Um yeah it's a good point I mean you've got live reaction because Gary Neville does it doesn't he he does like an after game live reaction thing laughably with his headphones still on like he hasn't got like the technology available to just you know do a piece to camera but he'll do like a pod after the game and then yeah he does this like Monday night football stuff so I don't know do you call it do you do a spin-off of that
1: so i should just call this the podcast and then the other one is the one i differentiate i call it like the reactive pod
0: yeah you've never done i mean you know i, I i've listened to rodríguez for a, a long long time and i don't i think the only live reaction video i sorry podcast that i remember was when Deli ali scored that goal against crystal palace and you were so excited that um you you put together a real like quick on the hop podcast for about 20 minutes just basically talking about how amazing Deli Alley was that's the only kind of live one I remember so I think those are definitely the
1: deviations oh mate like Deli Alley those that's are the just, days it's eh? just taking me back like what a <laughs> how exciting was that you know like, it was really like this kid's going to Real Madrid but let's enjoy him for now you know and yeah Let's not do that. Let's no, we don't talk about that one today. We don't need to talk about that one today, mate, because we've just beaten stinking, horrible, smelly, repulsive Chelsea. Todd Bowley's well, I mean Todd Bowley's a an Abramovich puppet, isn't he? Really? I've been going fully tinfoil on the internet the past few days, especially with VAR. But we'll get onto that.
0: You know, I don't know if it's like a a common thing but I've seen. There's a like a meme that goes around of very old uh, video games. They're usually kind of Japanese video games. Who and they basically create like regen typical US names, and it's always like beef cheesecake or something like that. Like really sort of stereotypical, but still ridiculously uh, ridiculously sort of overdone. Todd Bowley just sounds like one of those names. And he'd look, if you were to draw, if someone came to you and said, Todd Bowley, now draw him, you would draw him exactly as he looked at the game yesterday in that kind of oversized coat, dripped in scarves and Chelsea hats and just looking like he should be ordering at the Cheesecake Factory and shouting at a waitress rather than owning a football club. So that's very stereotypical
1: ending up being shamed in some, like, internet video because he's, you know, used some, like, offensive term towards somebody in a car park, you know, what I mean? that, <laughs> yeah. that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. You know, when you first started talking about that, mate, just a second ago, and you said, I don't know if it's a common thing, I thought you were going all like, you know, well, I don't know if it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it's some sort of common thing, you know. Um... <laughs>
0: Imagine the biggest glass house I could possibly find, and <laughs> then saying, "Don't know if it's a common thing. Jesus,
1: um, this is a mess already, isn't it? What What do you make of Chelsea, mate? Like, you know, like what? What? How? How do they rate on your shitometer? You know,
0: uh, what personally? What, yeah,
1: because you know, we've had all this. Like last week, we've had. The weird infighting between Tottenham fans as to how happy or not we can be to beat West Ham. Is it Tim Pot to hate West Ham? They're supposed to hate us more. Do you know what I mean? There's been a lot of mm-hmm. Celebration Police stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, I fucking hate Chelsea. I really, really do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. a very different type of hate to what it is with Arsenal. I still feel that like, no, I, I know Arsenal winning the league this year will affect me way more than even if Chelsea went and won the league from being 10th now. Do you know what I mean? Mm, if they went on yeah. some mad historic run and won it, it would still bother me more that Arsenal won it. But there's this real sort of visceral hatred I have for Chelsea that also kind of... I don't have that same type of feeling for Arsenal. I don't know. It's, it's just it's different. It manifests very yeah, differently for me. Yeah, totally.
0: Totally. I, I find... If you if you personified these clubs, like right? if you lived next door to Arsenal, you'd probably be really annoyed at the uh, the parties going on too loud and too long. Um, but with, with Chelsea, you're you're looking at those parties spilling over into your garden and people shitting in the flowers, <laughs> and you know like breaking your windows and stuff. Like they're just they're evil aren't they? That's the only word that I can really think of when I think of Chelsea. They are just like, they're so unpleasant in almost every single way that it's almost hard to pick out one single thing that makes them so horrific. And then that kind of contributes to their, when they're successful, you know, I just, it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't really leave a mark anymore. Like winning all of those leagues and a couple of Champions Leagues and stuff—it's annoying for a day, and that's it. I don't really pay much mind to them, and I do consider them a big rival. They are a big rival to Spurs without question, and historically have been as well. It's not certainly not a new thing. Um, whereas I think, as you say, if Arsenal won the league, I, it would it would certainly ruin my summer. Um, I mean,
1: my my mental health very much <laughs> yeah. to not win the league. Do you know, yeah. What I mean, I I, mean I, can't... It,
0: I I didn't really consider how deep it was affecting me until City beat them, and I I actually sort of celebrated Jack Grealish's goal. Oh, a top. proper fist pumping, you know, as if Spurs. Probably more than I've celebrated ninety percent of Spurs goals. this I
1: celebrated season. City. Honestly, I celebrated City beating Arsenal more than I celebrated Tottenham beating City. Sorry. Yeah get, I can you know, I can
0: get it. on board with that. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's a it's definitely yeah, I mean it's a separate conversation. But yeah, I mean yeah, Chelsea i it's it's funny because I mean the reason I support Spurs is is my granddad and I mean, my granddad was born in 1920 30 something. So he he kind of went through every iteration of any football club and he's always hated Chelsea forever you know Arsenal very rarely ever came up in conversation with him but if you were talking football and you were talking Spurs and rivalries and stuff Chelsea were his most hated team and he always used to say they're arrogant and they're filthy basically (laughs) and one of the most annoying things is that they do have the silverware to back it up so the whole you know being arrogant you know it's an unfortunate truth that they have won two Champions Leagues and they did it in seven years, you know. Between them, they, they are a very hugely successful football club. It doesn't matter how you, they've got you there. Know that second one, though,
1: they just mm. fucking—they sort of fell into that, didn't they? Well, Do they fell mean, into like, the
0: first one, didn't they? Really, like if yeah, you think about that but... team, Avb left halfway through between like two. I mean, I was looking into this because you know maybe this will come up later, but I was looking into if Conte were to leave, what sort of symmetry is there between? Chelsea winning the Champions League and Spurs doing it, if it happened this season. Obviously, complete fantasy, but you know you never know. But AVB left between, I think, the last 16 games against Napoli. Di Matteo took over, and then they just kept kind of fumbling over wins. Barcelona in the semi-final, and uh, Bayern Munich in the final. So I think both of them have been fairly fraggy. It's just, yeah, you can't say that, can you? <laughs> their, first,
1: <laughs> their first one, though, it felt like... it was Because it was like, you know, it was the... It was like us in 2019. That was like the end of their like glorious era, right? The Drogba, Terry, Lampard, all yeah. that lot being at the, you know, that, that sort of their golden Mourinho generation of players. That was kind of the, the dying embers of it. And they got that over the line. And I can mm. kind of, I, I do know what you mean. Like that Barcelona game in particular was just disgusting. It was just so <laughs> horrible seeing a team. Just shit it through. Seeing Bolton Wanderers basically get into a Champions League final like that. Mm. But I just, this, 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 their second one, because it was in lockdown, wasn't it? As well yeah, as it was. Behind closed yeah. doors one. And it
0: was a, a proper Pep City, like typical European shit for brains decision not to play a central defensive midfielder, I think and I think he might have played Foden as a false nine or something like that. Like It's it so typical bloke, overthinking of he? him. He's such a him. weird bloke, bloke. He's a knobhead. I mean, and he's handing Arsenal the title as well. This is the other frustrating thing. Man City should never lose. And same for Chelsea, actually. I mean, just to sort of bring it back to your original question, Chelsea being in 10th is, for the money that they've spent, I don't care about squad um, harmony and all of that. Like Forrest went out and bought pretty much an entire squad's worth of players. And they are, at the moment, beating relegation, which is the equivalent of Chelsea going and winning probably the league and maybe a Champions League. There is no excuse for how shit they are for the money that they've spent. And it's exactly the same for City. I don't care about teams in transition, all of this. They have the money and have done for a number of years to never let that affect them. They shouldn't lose a game, let alone not win a title. And for them to just be falling over themselves, to hand Arsenal this title is arguably one of the most frustrating parts of all of this like i'm obviously against the whole city machine i hope they get done for ffp because they deserve to and i think spurs have lost out to them probably more than any other club in certainly in the top six like you think of the amount of champions league the the top four places that we would have got if man city weren't in existence you know that's it's massive for a club like spurs the revenue that we needed um and so I hope they get done. But this season of all seasons, can you just you know sort your fucking life? Can you not sell Cancelo after you've sold Zinchenko in the summer and playing Nathan Aki at left back? Can you, you know, it's just it's so frustrating can to you see. Not them.
1: have just bought Harry Kane instead of hurling hard. Oh, don't you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this sort of this dichotomy we got now of being like, well, I'm well happy we got Harry Kane, but fucking hell, he'd be doing a job at City, wouldn't he? Oh, you know? don't yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you know do you know one of the biggest frustrations about this mate. You talk about it not being fair and you talk about it being frustrating. Chelsea can do this and if I said to you all right and well next year they win the double, you wouldn't be that surprised, would you? No, no, you totally. Know, it's just yeah. it's they just do that and it's mm. that that is kind of what that money allows them to do, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. If we swapped managers at the end of the season, it would be Almost like a rebalancing of the universe because Grand Potter's not evil enough for them, and he never will. Well, oh, but
1: he, he's too big for Tottenham, mate. Don't forget that. He, <laughs> yeah, he, doesn't I, want, he doesn't want Tottenham staining his growing reputation. It's bizarre,
0: isn't it? It's so strange. And then to choose to go to Chelsea in the flux that they were in. Like maybe I mean, maybe he thought that it wouldn't. Maybe the money took them, him by surprise. You know, maybe he didn't expect them to buy that many players. That because I mean, he hasn't gone out and. Identified all of those and asked to sign them. As he, this is purely Chelsea sporting director and say Todd Bowley trying to stamp his considerable foot on on the Premier League without any real sense of plan. Potter's not the manager to to do what they are expecting with those players at all. So I I, I have a little bit of sympathy because he may have gone in there thinking, okay, you know, there's an incredible youth. Um, youth academy at chelsea or well, pretty good you know and i think he may be expected to make a few signings make use of that academy and build from that and now suddenly he's got this enormous gold house that he's been expected to maintain and clean every week um you know, obviously fuck him and fuck chelsea but i personally i think he's been i think he's been thrown under the bus a little bit
1: well it's just mad isn't it i mean like you say <laughs> you know they spent what 130 mil on Enzo Fernandez? About 100 mm. mil on that Mudrick lad, you know. And they finished tenth, mate. They're tenth. Mm. They haven't won a game. Yeah. They haven't won a game in any competition since the 15th of January. <laughs> yeah. And it yeah, really, I crazy. mean, whatever we, we can, really we're well within our rights to be sort of put out by the football we've seen at times under Antonio Conte, but. <laughs> for all I'm moaning about Ben Davies or Eric Dyer or the star that we're employing here, we are sat in fourth place. I mean, just Mm. (laughs) football does kind of warp your mind a bit, right? It it warps perspectives and it, 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 there's, there's clearly there's clearly a level of entitlement amongst Tottenham fans now to a degree. We don't want to admit it, but there is. I think there's a level. I think I have it. I think we probably all do a level of entitlement that we have to win something. We should be winning something. Mm. When really, really, when you look at when you really look at it, okay, right. You've had I think you've had Wigan get an FA Cup. That's kind of what happens every now and again. Leicester obviously an FA Cup and a Premier League, but. There aren't really that many kind of freak occurrences that happen in football. Mm. Most of the teams that win the top honours are the teams that spend the most money. Mm. That's that's just always happened, right? Well, I think... Especially with the Premier League, right? The title, mm. it's yeah. it's not it's not changed hands that much. The only team that really has kind of muscled their way into that is Manchester City, and that's because they've literally spent a billion pounds. Mm. It's you know, so should should Tottenham expect more? Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's, I don't know. It's it's, it's always just, it's difficult. Is it entitlement? Is it not? I, I sort of feel that it is, but is that really the worst thing? Isn't that what kind of like, you would say separates Tottenham from the rest of the pack, from the Aston Villas, the Evertons and everything. I mean, I know they hmm. won a the lot in the 80s, those two teams in particular, but in this sort of modern era, we've kind of pulled away in our own little bracket that you'd almost kind of lump Arsenal in with now, I guess they've sort of we've met in the middle a bit, haven't we? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's if you you said they're like modern era. Every team in the top six and then plus Leicester say has got at least one or two seasons that they can point to as the kind of pinnacle of where their team has been at. Annoyingly, Spurs haven't won anything in those times, and probably every other club in the top six plus Leicester have, but. If you were a Leicester fan, if they hadn't won the league and they just, say, won the FA Cup and they're sitting in, I think, 14th now, they wouldn't be complaining anywhere near as much as they are. But if you've won a league title within the last five years and you find yourself in 14th, you are going to be wondering, well, hold on, what the fuck is going on here? Like, How, how can we achieve that and now be sitting here where we are? It's the same for Liverpool. Liverpool reached ridiculous heights under Klopp. They won a Champions League and they won a league title the year after you know, playing incredible football, high-velocity football. They are always going to look at it and think, "What's happening now?" <clears throat> you know, hold on, what? <laughs> where's that gone? Same for Man City. Man City have won numerous titles, hundred points totals, record goal scores, all of that. They should be wondering what the fuck's happened this season. Arsenal did it up to this season. They were one like, half the reason that AF TV exists is because there are people on there who couldn't understand how they went from an invincibles team to you know, playing De in central midfield and we've got, and I know it's heavily memed, but that 2016, 17 team that we had under Pochettino with Ali and Ericsson and Kane and Dembele and Wanyama like at its peak, that was, that was incredible. That was our team that we will always look back on with the most amount of fondness and thinking, you know, that was the pinnacle of where we are. So every club has got that point in time in certainly in, in the last 10 years, probably that they'll go, well, hold on. Why aren't we doing that? You know, why can't we reach that again? And it's impossible. You can't have all six teams playing at their pinnacle. It just won't work. Someone has to be in the cycle. Somebody has to be moving out of their, their pinnacle and, and on a downward curve. And part of the problem for Spurs is that we've reacted to that too late. And we are probably only just starting to turn the oil, oil tank around most of the other top six clubs can throw money at it until it works. So there's entitlement, but I don't think Spurs fans should necessarily think it's only us that that does that. It's probably a bit of a social media thing. You know, it it exacerbates everything. Social media makes everything worse. Um, It means that rival fans can get at you and have a pop at you in the way that they couldn't do before. Um, I I think there's an entitlement in sense of, we had it all <laughs> or we nearly had it all and we lost grip of that it's and close but like no cigar wasn't it That's... yeah and, and I say the frustrating part and the thing that I'm I struggle with with Spurs is you could see it coming so much earlier than than when we actually reacted and there's lots of different variables Covid is a big variable Pochettino's drop-off is a big variable Nuno you know arguably Paratici now and what the fuck's going on with him but um there's a, there's a lot of it felt like we should have reacted a little bit sooner so I don't think it's I, I don't think it's um as you said it, it's entitlement. I, I don't I just think it's like well we've shown ourselves to be able to operate really smartly and I don't think anyone at Spurs from levy down to the players can argue that they have operated smartly in the last probably three seasons we have been pretty stupid at times and it's reflected in a slightly imbalanced and probably quite low quality certainly technically squad that we've got now we are trying to address it it's just a shame that it took as long as it did but as you say we're fourth you know we're, we're fourth we've won four of our last five and in those four games we've got a clean sheet so if you think of all the things that we've had an issue with we can't really we didn't think that we could defend very well um it breaks down in the midfield you know arguably things are fine in that respect. You can't get four clean sheets, you know, two London derbies, one against Man City, the other was against Fulham who are flying away from home. But clearly things aren't that bad. It's just, it's the eye test, isn't it? It's always going to be the eye test under Conte. And I think he's always said that fourth isn't good enough and, and all of that. So he's setting his sights higher. We, I don't think we can achieve physically achieve any more than what we are ca- currently delivering. But if that's not enough to your manager, there's always going to be that bit of friction. So there's just a lot of things happening at the moment that take the shine off what is very quietly being a decent season. I mean, let's wait until the end. And the Arsenal factor is probably the biggest reason why everything feels a little bit shit.
1: Do you think he's our manager next year, mate?
0: No, 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 I, I don't think so. But then I, if you'd have asked, I think we did a pod this time last year, I think the same question came up, which... You know, the fact that that question keeps coming up, and he's only been here, well, he's been here less than eighteen months, is is, is you know, it points to something Isn't larger, it? doesn't it? But I, I, think, I think I would that's... have said the same thing last year, and yet here we were. So we might go on another run, or we might just consolidate what we're doing now, and who you knows? Another summer of decent investment in the areas that we need, and and things look very different. But
1: I, I really feel that plays into it, though. You know, I, I think I do think. Mood can influence, you know, confirmation bias, that sort of thing. It can influence kind of what we're seeing. I I, I don't really think there's confirmation bias in us kind of feeling less than stable under Conte. And it makes us find the football boring. I think the football is often quite boring under (laughs) him. But I do feel like there would be more momentum. There would be more of a kind of like wave of positive sentiment if we actually felt that this was going somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, th- I I really do feel that like the, the sort of question mark hanging over him, it does kind of take away from a lot of the positives that we should be feeling. You know, like I say now, you know, we, we're fourth place. Mm. We're, we're on course to finish in the Champions League places. Once again, we're quietly having a really good year. We've had a, you know, a few good results. Definitely I agree with you. Arsenal doing what they're doing is a massive shadow over everything that we're doing. Um, but it's, regardless of that, it feels like it should be, it should be better. And it's, it, I just, I don't think it's as simple as kind of like, oh, you know, some fans don't really like Conte, so they're not allowing themselves to enjoy this. Like, I I, I, I do think there is more to it than that. But yeah, what I did want to say is, you know, you're talking on, um, just, just as a little side note, you're talking about sort of, opposition fans the memeification of defeats and stuff Newcastle did they they bottle cup final yesterday mate usually Tottenham bottle it if it's against someone like Man United right it's did Newcastle, yeah, it's Newcastle bottle that right they bottle so stupid final. isn't it Well, like, about bottled eight, it and, 80 years since they won I was going to say
0: yeah bottled it plus 60 70 80 years without a trophy what have they ever won
1: yeah,
0: yeah. literally what have they ever won um, yeah I uh, I, I, I don't really have a, a strong opinion on Newcastle because I don't think there's anything that has that I could say that hasn't already been said. Like they are, annoyingly ahead of their, um, their timeline that they probably would have expected. Oh, man, I you know, to was being... I was
1: fully rooting for United yesterday. I've got to say. Oh, like, I, I, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't be having Newcastle win a cup straight away. Like they're, yeah. they're going to win. The thing is, they're going to be winning the lot. Like. 20, 30, 40 years' time, we'll probably still be having... Would we'll I'll still be doing this podcast with you. You think we'll win the FA Cup this year, mate? Oh, I don't know. There you go. And uh, Newcastle by that time will have won 14 Champions Leagues and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know... I- I've known... It'll be the Super
0: League by then, won't it? So yeah. it'll be whether or not we're going to get relegated yeah, from the Super League back no into... No
1: sympathy for them. I don't care. <laughs> no. I don't care if Dan Burn's dad used to take him to Wembley as a kid. All that. Mm. D- don't care. I, yeah. I really, I don't care. I don't care if their fans were jumping around at Trafalgar Square but and... Or, I don't it, it's been Man City, hasn't care. it?
0: Like, Man City had this when they got taken over. Everyone was trying to square it. Probably mostly Man City fans, but... I don't know whether it was denial or what, but some, some fans were really gave in, and actually a lot of the media, it, and it still prevails today, but a lot of people did do the whole, well, you know, they their fans have suffered for it. You know, they were in League One not long ago, and it's the same for Newcastle. Jake Humphreys, who I'm... I'm not a great fan of oh, you anyone. You love him, don't you? You're, you're I just always, think he's a moron. You're always like,
1: going on about Jake Humphreys. isn't it? <laughs> <and> Dims, <laughs> just say, have, you, have you listened to his high-performance pod, mate? It's great. I think you really oh, yeah. know him. It changed I'd love my to have life. a round of golf with him.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah. He's just, I mean, he's just a clown. And yesterday he said, it's great to see Newcastle back where they belong. And I thought, but if you're 21 years of age, you've never seen him in a cup final. You know, and they've been in the championship twice. They've been in the championship as many times as they've been in a major cup final in the last thirty years. Like that isn't back where they belong. Back where they belong is eighth or ninth in the Premier League and playing some decent football. You know, they, this is just I have nonsense. A bit of a, do
1: you know what? I have a bit of a sort of theory on this type of stuff because I was thinking about this before, and I guess sort of Blackburn doesn't really do this much much good, but but they've kind of properly disappeared. I just think that because Newcastle were quite decent at the inception of the Premier League at that point in time, Mm. they're just kind of seared into this hazy, rose-tinted vision of like, what English football was and is. Yeah, think of those Liverpool games, the, yeah. the topsy-turvy 4-3. Playing and... against Barcelona, festino Espria, that type of thing, yeah. you know. It's... Well, again,
0: to my point about every club has got something in in living memory that is seen as their pinnacle and why on earth can't we get back to there? Forgetting all of the shite about, this is where I think Spurs are hard done by it because, we, okay, we don't win things and at our best, at our pinnacles, we don't, we don't get over the line and that is a valid criticism and it should be leveled at the teams that we've had over the last 10 years, maybe 15 years, because there have been individuals in those that should have won us trophies. Bale should have won a trophy, Modric should have won a trophy, Kane, Son, Lloris arguably, you know, all of these kind of mercurial players that should have won a trophy with us. And it's not their fault, it's a, it's a, a team failing, but we haven't done it. But we have never had a season like Liverpool or Chelsea have this season yeah, you know, we've been poor, but we've never finished outside the top seven. I think for about fifteen years, and someone's going to correct me on that. But I can't think. Certainly, between twenty ten and now, we've not finished below seventh. I think sixth, maybe. So we've we ha- I think we deserve a lot of credit that at least we've been very consistent. Okay, we we haven't got across the line, but we've never shat it so badly that we've ended up in the bottom half of the table at the end of the season. Newcastle have been so bad at times that you know, they have been comically bad. They've had empty stadiums. All this like the bollocks about this huge stadium and it being a religion up there. I, I get it. They were they were complaining about their owner, and you know you don't. That's a one way of of protesting against bad ownership. But like, fuck off with this kind of you know they deserve it sort of thing. Sorry, but no one's entitled to it at all. You you are not entitled to to anything just because you've had a couple of shit seasons. There are clubs who would have killed to be in Newcastle's position with that size stadium in the championship. You know, like Who's to say that because of their totally inadequate management on the seasons where they went down, they were immediately the powerhouse in that division and probably came up in place of a, a perfectly well-run club who... You know, only had twelve thousand to their stadium. I, I don't know. I'm picking picking stuff out of the air a little bit, but I find it very difficult to listen to people say that. You know, oh well, you know, it's not. It's good that they get a bit of success. Or what's the other one? It shakes up the narrative, or it shakes up the the status quo. It's like, well, that's fine. But there were clubs doing that. We, you could argue, Spurs have been doing that. You know, when we got top four under Redknapp. It was a top four it was liverpool chelsea arsenal and man united and spurs and city were the new kids and we shook it up just as much as anyone else and then city won the league a couple of seasons later so sorry but it sounds very you know i I do take it i said that we've definitely suffered more than any other club for man City's um emergence and and their dope financial doping and we're going to suffer for newcastle as well because They were not challenging. They were nowhere near us. They were nowhere near top eight, let alone top six or top four. And we are going to see yet another club just overtake us. Yeah. Who have taken the easy route. And okay, I appreciate I support a football club that is directly affected by that, but it is felt all the way down the leagues. And I just think the media in particular should be doing a lot better. I'm not expecting Newcastle fans to say anything, but like, There really shouldn't be any external support for something like this from anyone, and I get that. I get that we are long past that horizon point. You know, Chelsea were financially doped coming up to twenty years ago. They
1: still are, mate. It's still of course, of course, but yeah, it
0: started. And people's point to United and say, well, they've always spent money, but like, it. I'm not saying it's always been squeaky clean, but they had the commercial aspect. Liverpool have always been competitive because of their global. Success and appeal, you know, that has never gone away. This is just the new way of doing it. But they have cheated their way to the top of the table. They've cheated their way into the conversation. No one in America would have heard of Man City, you know. But this, the team this from is infuriating. It United. irritates
1: me even more that we can we can have our differences of opinion on Daniel Levy and where we think he's kind of gotten it right or wrong at Tottenham. But I do find it particularly odious when you look at this as like the landscape of football and you still have client journalists like Matt Law mm. writing pieces on Daniel Levy's salary. Mm. It's, 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 we all know exactly what type of tropes it, it w- will weaponize uh-huh. 100%. Yeah. And I'm not saying that isn't, you know, I don't know Matt Law. I'm, I'm not saying that's his intention, but... You know exactly where that type of conversation goes, mm-hmm. especially with Daniel Levy, and the fact he's singled out the, the man's turned—you know—he's turned an asset that was valued in the tens of millions to the multiple billions. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as as far as top CEOs go, his salary is an aberrative. It's not—it's no. not ridiculous. So this whole kind of prism, this whole like lens through which anything to do with Tottenham is viewed, it, I just—I find it. I find, I honestly, I find it perverse the focus that is on us and mm-hmm. what we do and this glee around our failures. And if I just, who did we hurt? You know, <laughs> like who did yeah. we hurt? We've been such an an inoffensive team, right? And I've heard it. You know, I've Flav did a pod with this. You know that Arsenal bloke. You know what's he called? You know, the the, the, wolf, no, the ball fella, the one, that, he's done it again, that little, you oh, know, um, okay, yeah, yeah. whatever his name is, yeah. he did one of him and he was coming out with some shit about like, oh, it's because you lot, you know, obviously I don't like you because you're Tottenham, but also on top of that, and he was coming out with his sort of like bollocks about the fans being like the worst that we think we're the best team in the world. And it's like, no, have you spoken yeah, to a Spurs spoken, fan? To Tottenham, most Tottenham fans, like the, the biggest arguments in Tottenham Twitter are people arguing just how shit they are. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, we're more yeah. shit than that. No, you're yeah. deluded, mate. You're being a happy clapper. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: It's, you can't tell me after a Derby game, when we lose to Arsenal, anything Arsenal fans say to us, it cannot possibly be worse than what Spurs fans think of themselves. Like Nobody hates Spurs more than Spurs fans.
1: It's just, I don't know. But I think, you know what, mate? I do think, I do hope and think, you know, in the next sort of, let's say, 10 years, we might just get one of the big ones over the line. We might just have, just, I just, we just need the stars to align for us on that one. Is that season. the big
0: two, do you think? The league and the Champions League, do you mean? One or? of them.
1: I think probably Champions League. I think that's more. Do you think? I just. I feel that we're gonna, I feel that we've got that in us at some point. I do because I just I don't know, we're a European outfit, mate. We're, we we I always bang on about that on here, but we are, you know, we're a European team. We're more a European team than fucking Arsenal have ever been. Um mm. and I just I just I think since we tasted that we got to a, Yeah, we got to a Champions League final, mate, when we weren't that that good that year. We still did it and I think we still like we managed to keep gravitating back towards the top four all the time. Mm. We still managed to have we, I think we've only failed to get out of Champions League groups once. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're a pretty consistent Champions League team now. We're that kind of Dortmund team. Do you know what I mean? The mm. Dortmund we mm. grew up watching, and they've done it. And so, I kind of I feel that we can get that. I, there you
0: go, mate. So, every, I don't think every fan. Th- I thinks hate, that they uh, should be back at where they got to. and then it it. I really do genuinely think it. Everyone has this ideal in their heads of where they think it's I'm not saying you're wrong. But I'm just saying that everyone... that not be, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're never wrong. But like you say, 20- you said that in 2019 we got to a Champions League final. Like, all of the, we had to move the universe you know, 10 times over to beat Man City and Ajax in those two two-legged games just to get there. Um but we'd still believe it. We still believe that it can happen again because what? Because we've done it before. That's what it comes down to. You've seen your team do it before. Doesn't matter if it's by miracle or by design or luck or whatever else. If you've seen it and you know it's possible, you you can't help but feel like it's possible.
1: Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't think I'll ever see us win the Premier League though, mate. No, I, I, no I, I just... Them days is over, like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's well, it, well, you know strange things to happen. I mean, Napoli are about to win Serie A. Mm. Barring a catastrophic, like, drop-off, Napoli are going to win Serie A. So these mm. things can happen. Like, the team that could never just get a run together. You know, Napoli would... They're basically just a lot like us, you know. They mm. would either start a season really well or end a season really well. They would always have, like, good calendar years, but never a good season. Right. And they're, what... 20 points clear now. I think yeah. they're literally 18 points clear at the top of Syria now.
0: I, I don't know anything about Syria, but I wonder if, I mean, you might be able to say what's happening there, but is it a case of kind of the, the other big players taking points off each other? Like, why wonder is, do we need a season where City are in transition, Chelsea are in transition, United, Liverpool, Arsenal, everyone else, and they end up in kind of infighting and so sort of entrenched in the idea of not losing to each other, that they sort of cancel each other out and then you end up with this single team that just sort of shoots through the middle of them wacky races style. You've just got to make sure that you're that team. It was similar when Leicester won it. Um,
1: I, I think, think it's- the, the the only difference with this, I would say, is that I'm not as fully versed on the ins and outs, but I do follow. I do think though what you say now is true. I think most of the big teams are kind of in transition in Italy, but what has helped for Nap like Napoli's case as well is that they have like they've got their sixteen seventeen team at that point as well. So it's not like they're just kind of they're doing what they normally do, and they're like Napoli are being aberratively obscene as well yeah. at the moment. So it's it's kind of that perfect storm for them. Other teams in transition, and they've got their sixteen seventy Like Napoli have got some fuck that, that Victor Osimhen they've got up front is mm. is fucking ridiculous. Like he is absolutely fucking ridiculous. A player who Spurs have been long linked to. Mm. I cannot pronounce his name. The Georgian lad who's like a left winger again. Another player Tottenham were heavily linked with. On honestly think is like maybe the best player in world football at the moment. Like, (laughs) the kid is fucking... He's ridiculous. He's 100% Real Madrid bound. Or, do you know what I mean? PSG, Mm -hmm. Real Madrid, whatever, bound £150 million. Like, he is fucking ridiculous. And they... Yeah, they've just... uh, Spalletti's like having his kind of you know go on. We don't need to talk about Napoli at the moment. Look, teams, <laughs> and teams. Patongi and Dombale, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's the he's the magic. He's the magic <laughs> element to all of this. If we do focus back on Tottenham Hotspur, because you know, why yeah. not? Why yeah. not? Go on in. One of the big talking points this weekend, gentle Ben Davis, three hundred club mm. appearances. That's what sort of fucking team we are. (laughs) Then Ben Davis got 300 a That's what sort of fucking team we are. I don't agree. You know, Ben Davis, Mm. good player. In the post match pod, and I said this to my mate George as well, Tom, I'm going to say it to you. Ben Davis gets into any match day squad in the Premier League. Any match day squad. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah, probably. I, I can't think of an argument against it. Uh, maybe Arsenal—they've got—they are quite well stocked in defence, I'd say. But if you to, if you're talking in terms of Ben Davis's uh, versatility, as is being shown in his current role as well, um, then yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think he's he's an interesting one because he was signed to be a first choice when Danny Rose was still sort of teetering on the edge of not sure what sort of player you're going to be. And he really pushed Danny Rose, I think even by Danny Rose's own admission, like he he knew that there was direct competition there. He was a Premier League left back coming from Swansea and he stepped it up. And so for those first couple of years, Ben Davies really was an understudy. And I think that it's slightly unfair, and I've done this before, but I think it's slightly unfair to consider him as sort of failing upwards and now being a starter just because the likes of um, and um and Danny Rose himself have left the club and and we didn't sign appropriately to cover them, he's now thrust into the first team. I think he's a he's a decent enough player. He can be anything from six out of ten all the way up to nine out of ten. He's pretty consistent. And I think three hundred games sounds about right. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. yeah, but he's been here ten years now. That's that's is it 300 overall presumably it's not Premier League appearances yeah I mean we've been in the Champions League in that time you know we've got to FA Cup semi finals we've been to League Cup finals generally there are plenty of games where those sort of players will play a lot of football Um, I think that's that's yeah well deserved I'm I'm not a great fan of his but I certainly don't think he's the worst or the most immediate issue that we need to address Uh, yeah I, I think I would agree with you.
1: He's solid, right? He's just, he's overall a solid footballer. Doesn't set the world on fire, but he's. I don't, I, I don't really ever. this The thing I always bang on about is I don't ever really recall when I look down throughout the annals of his Tottenham career, I don't think, oh, there was that massive fuck up he did on that day or whatever. No, he
0: got roasted by um, Mane, didn't he? I think it was. I think we lost 2 0, and I don't remember what season it was. I. I think it's probably Poch, the 16-17 season and we went away to Liverpool and Poch played us on a really high line and um, Davis was playing left back and he just got murdered by Mane twice in the in the first half and I think a lot of he was he took a lot of flack for that Ben Davis but I, I don't really think it was his fault you know he's not a quick left back um, he was a very solid left back and probably explains why he's transitioned to that left centre that role as well as him playing there pretty consistently for Wales um, he he was never going to stand a chance up against Mane if you give Mane a 20 yard head start so that's the only one I can really think that he got quite a lot of pelters for other than that yeah nothing nothing really stands out as a as the game where I you know thought this this really should be the end of him he's always pretty consistent if not spectacular
1: Skippy as well. I think as as a player who's kind of, I think he's afflicted by a similar thing as as Ben Davis in that they're both just kind of not cool. Do you know? Yeah.
0: Well, I don't. I was thinking about this before we recorded. Like, I love Oliver Skip, and I think I think any youth academy player. I don't care again if this is a sign of what sort of club we are or what accepting mediocrity and all that. If you have a youth team player that is deemed good enough to play first team football by well, he, he started under Poch. So you're looking at Poch, Conte, um, and Mourinho, he, he played a fair bit of football under all three of those. You absolutely should treasure those players. And, and I don't really give a fuck. Like you should be absolutely giving them more slack than any other footballer than, than another footballer you've bought in. I, you know, I, I think that's completely fair. You should be backing your players that you bring through the academy. Um, I think, and I don't know if you agree, he suffers from the fact that he's just now the fourth in line of what were deemed kind of sideways, mediocre number eights that we brought through the academy. You had Ryan Mason, you had Tom Carroll, then Harry Winks, and then Oliver Skip. And I think they are all tarred with the same brush a little bit, but I think Skip is probably the most dynamic out of all of them. If you look at the way he played against Chelsea, he's so tenacious and i think in benson injury is a disaster and i i worry for him in the future as well the sort of injury it is and the sort of timeline they're talking about is I a very done, long right? one right. i'm i am i think yeah it,
1: he's going to have a it, career don't i'm not saying he's retiring but i'm yeah. just saying like, I, is he going
0: to get back to that level Because uh, he, he was he be. was arguably our best player for, a, for quite long periods last season and certainly this season but uh, regardless of my
1: uh, medical now yeah <laughs>
0: well about well, as much as the Spurs medical yeah, team it says, yeah. <laughs> I? but I I honestly look Conte was loath to play quite a few players he seemed to only really trust about 13 or 14 of the squad and I don't think Skip was in that 14 and I know he had a weird injury if I remember rightly I read something about him having a late growth spurt and it caused him problems with his back and his hamstrings. I might have completely made that up. Again, very much in line with Spurs' medical team. But I I did worry for him. And I think if if there's going to be a, a winner out of the Benson Cure injury situation, I, I think Sarge getting more minutes is great. And will it was, you know, it's it going to be really interesting to see the sort of player that he becomes. The the performance in Milan was really promising, but Skip stepping up and his game was against, he's, he was great against Milan, but I think against West Ham and against Chelsea, even aside from his goal, he was really, really good and, and exactly the sort of player that I think Conte really likes and why I've been quite surprised not to see him a bit more. He, he, he really gets his foot in. I think he got booked quite early. Was it against West Ham? I think it was. He, he does sort of, he leaves one on him. And I think that's fine because I do think that's the thing that's missing from Hoiberg. I think he's seen as this, like this bit of a bulldog in midfield. And I, I don't really see that with Hoiberg. I never have done, but skip, I definitely do think he is. So I think he complements Hoiberg quite well. He's a very, very different player to, to Bentoncourt. but look, it wasn't Benton Coeur's fault, but we were really struggling defensively up until that Fulham game. We conceded six against City and Arsenal in the previous two games And now we just seem to have a bit more edge to us, and I do really think that Skip is a big contributor to that. Like I said, don't think it was Benton Core's fault, but if we're looking at happy accidents here, yeah, we've got to take it. We've got to take a huge positive in Skip coming into this team and adding quite a lot of bite that was previously missing.
1: He's because this is the thing. Like, I'm not saying you're, you're you're saying this from your own perspective, but I have seen a lot of people talk about him being like average. I just mm. I don't see that. I don't... If you think about like how much everybody was just so quick to get so excited about Conor Gallagher when he was on at the likes mm. of Crystal Palace and all that sort of... I think he was at Palace Smith in West Rome as well. as well. Yeah, you know. And then Gallagher's just not been able to hold down a place in Chelsea's team at all. Skip obviously hasn't been able to hold down a place at, in Tottenham's team, but he looks far less the headless chicken and like Gall- I think Gallagher's a decent young player I do think he is but I just think Skip in that, in, in that sort of like peer group of players I think he's he's brilliant I think he's mm. really good and he was he was looking absolutely fantastic before he had that big big injury that, mm. you know and I mean like you said I like a lot of people dig out Harry Winks Harry Winks was fucking brilliant man he was a mm. really good player you know I think he's somebody that's been just Really, really unfortunate with injuries, and it, it's it's definitely it's it's ruined him. It's ruined mm. his like career as, as as far as you know him being a kind of Champions League footballer. I think anyway. Um, I understand he's having a really good time in Sampdoria. They're loving yeah. him out there, mid table, literally. You know, fine, great, G- mm. good on him. It's good that he's kind of taken that sort of a move. But I think Oliver Skip is. I think he's brilliant, and I. I I would like to see him and Saar playing together. You know, I really would. I do think they complement one another very well, but I can understand why, obviously, we still have to keep playing Hoybier because there's plenty to play for this season and Hoybier is he's an experienced kind of top-level yeah. international, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about him before. We, Neither of us are great fans of Hoybier, but arguably in a Conte system, and a Conte team, having a player that he trusts to kind of carry out instructions to a T even if they're not particularly spectacular is probably a hallmark of a Conte side and Hojbjerg for all of his his faults and I do think he has quite a few technical faults like he is playing that role really well and so alongside he was great against Chelsea
1: you know, he really was with... he was great
0: against West Ham as well that yeah. ball for Ben Davies for that first goal is, is really really good he dude. had like,
1: Declan Rice in his pocket look how triggered Declan Rice got by just you know, yeah. anything past him right. yeah right. Very right. True. no one likes you what a bizarre things to say you
0: know <laughs> this is like king of yeah like well, lad banter, Declan Rice. I'm sure he's a nice lad, but I like him and Mason Mount are definitely the sort of people that you would meet on a stag do and be okay with for a couple of nights, but think if I was mates with them, fucking hell, I would kill myself. That's a bit extreme, sorry, but that, that's the <laughs> impression that I get from them too. Um, yeah, I, I I think Hoiberg was good and I think Skip complements it very well because like I say, I think he's a bit more tenacious and a bit more... He just seems a bit more liable to put his foot in. Um, Sartre, I think he's a bit more progressive with the ball. I think against Milan, you saw him break break the lines and um, carry the ball a little bit more, which is, I think, Hojbjerg and Skipper are more liable to pass it. But uh, you know, plenty of partnerships have been built on a, on players willing to pass it and willing to carry it before. And in recent history with Spurs, you look at Wanyama and Dembele, that was a really good partnership because of that. One keeps it simple, one's t- one, you know, opens the game up a little bit so in time I think that would be a good partnership to see I think at the moment though with Conte it's unlikely that we're going to see this break from pragmatism that Skip and hoybio provide I would say.
1: Richarlison.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> because we, we, I'm just I'm just all these players at the moment who Dividing, splitting opinion, straight down the middle. Mm. Where do you, uh, where do you fall on in, mate?
0: I, I tweeted yesterday that there was just no way that you could drop Richarlison now, um, or, or put Son back into the team in his place. And I had somebody, you know, arguing in good faith, just ask the question. Said, well, "On what basis would you, could you not take Richarlison out of the team?" And I thought, well, have you, you know, not watched for the last couple of weeks and likewise have you not watched Son for three quarters of this season you know Son's position has been changed I don't think it's entirely his fault but someone's done the analysis out you know people far smarter or certainly with people with more time than I have 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 done the analysis and seen that Son is playing something like 20 yards deeper than he he was on average last season when he won the golden boot Kane is more of our focal point of attacks they're wanting Kane to get into the box more and Son to build play up from deep and it It just hasn't worked. Sons looked so lost. And the sort of player that he is, he wants to play on the last defender. He wants to play between the fullback and the centre-back. And he wants someone to find him. And that's worked brilliantly for a good two, three seasons with him and Kane forming that partnership. And for whatever reason, Conte's changed it. And it, it just doesn't work. But it seems to with Richarlison a lot more. He's use the word tenacious again, he, he's so tenacious and such a pain in the ass to play against. Like, the way that he played up against um, Rhys James against Chelsea was exactly how you want to play against those sort of fullbacks, those those fullbacks who are just as good in attack as, as in defence. I know that they would have had eyes on Son, but I think in the way that he's playing at the moment, all they needed to do if he was started was probably stick one of the midfielders on him and one of the centre backs, and then someone else just look after Kane, and we've been negated. But the way that Richarlison is playing at the moment, he's just bullying people on that left hand side.
1: I love and him, I think, man. Like, I really yeah, do, he's you know? he's he's
0: exactly what we've needed at the exact right time. I talk about Skip coming in at the right time, and he's he's he his fortune. You know, he's coming from Bentancur's injury, which is unfortunate. Son has just been persisted with, and I, I just. Don't see why. Like, I get that he's our, he's a one of our best players. He's our, he was the golden boot winner last year, but he isn't playing the same position. And if it's not working, I don't see why it takes three quarters of a season to to really work that one out. But
1: um, it, it feels like this super sub role is kind of just a natural evolution for him, right? He he's yeah a, yeah you know, he's a dynamic, physical footballer who is. Mm what, he's 31 now, you know? It happens to all of them. Look at Salah, exactly Exactly the same. Like I'd love to see the
0: amount of goals, again, someone more intelligent with more time than I would, I'd love to see the amount of goals that Son has scored in the last probably 10 minutes of our games. Ever since, I seem to remember him doing it at Wembley quite a lot. There's a a goal against Leicester that sticks out where he basically stood on the halfway line. We were a goal up or we were 2-1 up. And they were attacking and Son just stood on the halfway line. I and mean, in one ball, he gets on the end of it and he scores. I think he did it against West Ham last season when we beat them 3-0 or 3-1. Um, he did it against West Ham last week as well. Like He got on the last defender and Kane played him in for the second. Like, he is perfect for that role, just to stretch them. To, like, can you imagine playing against Richarlison for 65-70 minutes and getting beaten up and... Frustrated because he is, you know, he's a brilliant diver, uh, Richarlison. On top of everything else, you know, and I mean that as a virtue. He is, hes very good at winning free kicks. So you've been pissed off by him for seventy odd minutes. You're battered, you're bruised, and you've had an ego bashing as well. And then you see Son come on, and you think, well, I, I, you know, you're under instruction to get forward and get an equalizer or a winner or whatever. And then you're up against Son. It's a brilliant system for us to have and yeah I, I think I think we need to sort of think about Son as I mean, we gave him a new deal last year <clears throat> which in hindsight seems crazy um, but it, it does feel like the right time for us to start thinking about something new and we bought Richarlison for a lot of money and I think I know he's had a few injuries, but I think he's been underused. And when he has been used, he's been played on the right, which he's never played for Everton. I don't think he's ever played for Brazil, and he's just not looked. He just doesn't look very good, basically. So it's no mystery or no surprise, rather, that for two games he's been played in his actual position and he's been very, very good. If if not potent, I think that will that will come. Um, but he's done so much better a job than than Son has been doing for a while even if it's not entirely son's fault
1: but it's quite like because I, I get it like son is he's a club legend he is and people get defensive. yeah agreed people get yeah very no, defensive i totally agree over the idea of him being kind of slowly put out to pasture or whatever but like you're saying there, you know i do think we're getting we're getting the best of both worlds right now mm. you know because we we have spent a considerable amount of money on Richarlison, yeah, sixty five million pounds. It's not to be sniffed at, like for an attacking player. It's 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 huge money. He has he has a sort of a growing and big reputation internationally as it is. You 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 know, I'm, I'm not for a second saying I think he's on par yet with the likes of Kane or Son, but just the unpleasant and unfortunate truth is we are having to start to we've we've seen what's happened with Larice right exactly, yeah, on Lurice that was too long for yes. far too long yeah. Lloris... you know I was making this point yesterday you know I think Ben Foster has been absolutely fine as a backup to Lloris. and I don't think that's particularly because I think Ben Foster's great I think that's kind of the level that the has dropped to now that really you don't really feel his absence with with Ben Foster mm. Ben Foster's a good kit ke- he's a good keeper I think yeah. I think there's a there's a real I think there's a real OTT level of kind of discussion on Ben Foster as in like just how bad he is or Do you mean
0: Fraser Forster.
1: Yeah, who am I talking about?
0: Ben Foster. I was just saying, but fucking... under, understandably, yeah,
1: <laughs> same shit, innit? it? Like, yeah, All right, right. granddad. Yeah. Yeah. Fraser Forster, like he's did I actually say Ben Foster?
0: Yeah, twice. I'm let the tape I'm show someone will point day. it yeah, out we'll, we'll you'll get a couple that. of comments we'll from that, wouldn't you?
1: that this is like when I had Dan Kilpatrick on and I, he told me that I'd asked the question wrong and I said I hadn't and then I listened back and <laughs> I had asked on well, that quiz thing I got him to do he didn't like oh, it yeah. either. he doesn't like stuff like that does he you know? he's uh, he's
0: he's not shy he's not backwards and coming forwards as my man <laughs> would say
1: Um, but a phrase force you know I think he's I think he's fine I think he's alright and we don't want to be in that same sort of position when suddenly we like look at Son and hate him. As mm. as a lot of people do with Larissa. He's been awful this year. He yeah. has been awful. And yes, I you know, I get it. It's it's not becoming to treat somebody that's given the club a lot of good service nastily. But football's emotional. It's in the moment. Two, three years down the line, Hugo Larissa will be Coming back to the club, brought out at half time, have mm. a chat with Paul Coity, director or... of football. Really you know wouldn't I mean? surprise me. Like it, if he
0: if he ends up in high up in the club,
1: he will he'll be highly regarded in the football club and rightly so. But at mm. this point in time, he needs to fucking go back to Nice <laughs> or something. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? And we need to spend 50, 60 million pounds on a new goalkeeper. Thankfully, we've done that ahead of the curve with Richarlison. Whether it's him taking over from Kane or Son. We've got that kind of like, you know, player in waiting who we can integrate alongside them. And then we still have the comfort blanket of being able to bring Son off, Son off the bench and do what he does. You know, which, like you say, you know, you're were, you were speculating about it. Son's done better this year off the bench than when he started. You know, mm. I am thinking about four or five games he scored, I can't remember, did he score three or four goals against He's got Leicester four off and... the bench,
0: he's got three against Leicester and he scored last <laughs> week against West Ham. So yeah, he's... And it was and those one are his, his only of goals.
1: classic Son finish against West Ham yeah. as well. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like,
0: yeah, that's what I mean. There, there is a definite, there's a route to goal with Son that we we ploughed an awful lot last year. And I get that teams will work us out, but I don't understand why we reacted to that before that had actually even happened, you know, dropping him 20 yards deeper as a as a kind of protection thing. I don't know. It was, it was a bit of a strange one. But yeah, quintessential Son goal. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is. I, I totally agree. You, you made a point earlier about not really knowing what if Conte is going to join in the summer and not know. Uh, sorry, stay in the summer, and that sort of state of flux contributing to things. But I think whether he's here or not. The, the Son situation needed addressing, and as you say, Richarlison is in now, and he could be a succession plan for Son. He could even be a succession plan for Kane. I know he's never going to hit those numbers, or very unlikely to hit those numbers Who consistently. Is, right? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you plan for for that succession? Um, regardless of what happens, Loris needs replacing, or a, a succession plan needs to be put in place for him. We probably need two centre backs. We maybe need another left back or left wing back. Um... If Sessegnon doesn't seem to have made the grade and Perisic is 85, Udoji looks really good. I'm really excited for him coming in, but... So that's the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, suddenly know all about
1: A now, do you mate? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: on the right, you've got Jed Spence. You've got um, Pedro Porro, who you know is a bit of an unknown at the moment. Emerson seems to be coming into a bit of form as well. You've got Skip and Bent. Hopefully, Bentancur in the future in the middle, and Sar. You've got Richarlison up top. Kulazewski. Like there is enough ingredients, regardless of who the manager is, in the summer to come in and. Like I say, if the problem points are addressed, if goalkeeper and centre-backs are addressed, there's a lot there. And it doesn't matter if it's Conte or another manager or Pochettino or whoever coming into that squad. What needs fixing is what needs fixing. It doesn't matter who the manager is. Nobody's going to come in and suddenly Lloris is going to, you know, turn into the 2015 version of Hugo Lloris. So it is promising that we've addressed those things. And Richarlison is a really good example of what we just should be doing. You know, pick... He was one of the best players outside of the top six. His numbers for a really poor everton team were were pretty good, and they loved him as well because of everything that we've seen he's, he's a bully and he he riles up opposition players and you know he's perfect for a derby game, absolutely perfect for a derby game. It's a real shame that he didn't get a lot of time against Arsenal um, or maybe it came too soon. so that is the sort of thing that we should be doing, and it is promising that we've started to address that and I hope that that sort of thing continues because you know, Richarlison's numbers haven't been good this season and there are a lot of mitigation there is a lot of mitigation around that um, but I think we're starting to see now exactly why that sort of move is so beneficial and so so much what Spurs should be doing you know we did it for years we we looked around the Premier League and we took those best players we did it with Aldevarold. we did it when, with Wanyama we did it with Moussa Dembele from yeah. Fulham you know it's definitely the, the route we should be taking. Um,
1: just plucking them out of the kind of the chasing pack, isn't it? Really? Yeah, absolutely. And
0: the teams have been doing that for years. United did that for ages, they did it to us for ages. You know, Carrick, Berbatov uh, that, that's exactly what they did to us for a long, long time. I think that's what we should be following. Um, and if it costs a bit more money because they're in pre- that, that's that's life, that's the game. And, and I'm hoping that that's what we see in a slight change in Levy is. For all the discourse, particularly on Twitter, you you just can't accuse the club of not spending in the last three years. We might have spent badly in some cases, very badly in some cases, but it's not like we haven't spent. There has been investment in the team. So if the change is that we are identifying these players and we know that they'll improve us and that, you know, what we would have quibbled over five to 10 million pounds 10 years ago if that's not a problem anymore and we just go ahead and do it then then brilliant but i, I definitely think richarlison is the blueprint um uh, rather than the kind of uh he, he was the mark a marquee signing of the summer but he he didn't sort of arrive as the this the solution to all of our problems did he it was he's played the role that I think he was intended to. It's just that he costs 60 odd million. So it'll be interesting to see if that's something that we follow this summer and, and beyond.
1: Just quickly before I let you go, mate, I say just quickly before I kick the, kick the wasp's nest, but <laughs> say, uh... I have so
0: many wasp's nests. Mate. Like I am made of wasp's nests. Mm-hmm. You just sort of flick me in the wrong area and you, you get a, a whole swarm of wasps coming at you. So go on. Pick pick your pick your nest.
1: Another goal for Harry Kane, 18 Premier League goals this season. Our greatest ever player, greatest ever goal scorer. But he's still not signed that contract. He's got a year and a half left to go. Is he more important to is he more valuable to the club to just leave on a free, to let him wind down his contract and go on a free? Or you know, we're talking about succession plans. We're talking about bringing in the likes of Richardson. Do you sell him for that kind of cut price this year? Would would, would it feel better to you getting sixty mil for him this summer because he's got a year left on his contract versus him leaving for free, but maybe firing us to something big next year in his last contract? Last year,
0: yeah, I, I don't, I don't. It, it, that money's not going in my pocket. Like, I, I can't give a shit if he goes for money or goes for free. I think I'd rather keep him. Again, this is the sort of thing that a question that would I would have had a very different answer to last season. I think this time last season I still was a bit concerned about where his head was at, and still felt there was a bit of residual the whole Man City stuff. Um, there was something residual in him that just he just didn't seem to be able to get up to that level. And I wasn't wouldn't necessarily say sell him, but I had the opinion that if he's not really fully here. And if his body is, again, I don't think it's controversial to say that his body is starting to degrade somewhat, and that's maybe contributing to the slightly different role that he's playing now, slightly deeper role, which he's brilliant at, you know, certainly don't lose anything. And as you say, he's still scoring goals, Um, but his body is, is going to suffer. The ankles are, have been pretty, uh, pretty crispy for a good few years now. So. But I don't see any value in, in getting rid at the moment. I think the problem, part of the problem that I thought we had when I'd still, still waiting on seeing what the actual plan is for us and the recruitment drive, like, is there a, is there a plan or are we just doing it on a deals based system? But I had a bit of an issue with that. It's all very well keeping Kane, but if the team around him is just going to get worse, then there really isn't any point in keeping him. You know, apart from our own self kind of grat- gratification, it is still having a club legend and our record goal scorer playing for us is, is lovely for us as fans. But from a pragmatic point of view, if the team around him is just getting worse and you know he's he's playing a deeper and deeper role and is eventually sitting in the centre circle, spraying balls out to fucking Nathan Redmond or something that we've signed for 10 million in summer. Like, do you know what I mean? There's no point in keeping him and I'd, I'd feel... I think he would rightly sort of have a bit of a grudge against us, if you like. Um, but if we can address those issues, if we can sort out goalkeeper, two centre backs, and you know supplement it with maybe some creativity in the middle to take that onus off of Kane and even just give him a rest, a uh, bit of rotation, take him out for the FA Cup games and whatever. Um, then I just don't see any point in letting him go for any money this, this summer. Like We'd lose far more than we'd gain. And as I say, I, I don't have great faith in the in the hierarchy and spending that money right anyway. We certainly wouldn't be able to replace the numbers. So by the point he's he's going to leave for a free, or on a free, it could be a completely different landscape by then. You know, City are probably going to... Well, they're, they're obviously going to spend in the summer, um, and they're going to try and supplement Haaland, who has scored a ridiculous amount of goals in a in a team that isn't really functioning very well and i can't imagine pep's going to let that go on for much longer kane could be the perfect foil for him or the perfect contributor for him that that still might happen but if it doesn't i don't really see what other options he's got and i know you've got the the doomsday scenario of him going to arsenal on a free because they've won a couple of league titles by then but i can't see it realistically i can't see it so who knows at the end of his contract he may not have many options can you imagine and if I he don't... does mate you,
1: you give up football right oh yeah
0: yeah yeah it's it's over you can't you don't come back from that
1: never never again no. like, I can't like I don't you know top until I die now mate it's, it's... yeah I am dead yeah it's, it's done
0: yeah yeah no the, no wasp's nest there my friend like I, I I've you know how I've kind of gone a bit cold on Kane for a, since the city stuff really I, I've it, it, it sounds a bit pathetic it, it, as a football fan and it doesn't go any deeper than that but as a football fan it did hurt it did hurt to see it and you, you did think well it, when you invest that much in a in a player that comes through your academy and, and who does come from nowhere and literally becomes the best thing that ever happened to your team you don't you feel it a lot more you know we've had players that have wanted to leave but it, it felt a bit like that we don't get to leave, so why do you get to leave? We're stuck with this, and we know that things aren't great, but we don't get to just opt out and go to Man City and win a couple of trophies as fans. Like we don't want you to do that either.